welcome to the Hannah Miller Show. And here she is, Hannah Miller. Outspokenly conservative and unashamedly Christian, this is Hannah Miller, and this is what happened this week. First of all, after 18 years, Chris Wallace abruptly left Fox News this week for a position at CNN, and all the people said, we all knew he was a closet liberal. We're just glad he's being honest with himself now. To be honest, though, it's an interesting move, considering CNN is just totally awash in sex scandals right now. Prosecutors have charged John Griffin, a senior producer at CNN, with three counts of using a facility of interstate commerce to attempt to entice minors to engage in unlawful sexual activity. The reports about this are grotesque. Children as young as nine, the the language that he uses to talk about women and and girls is abhorrent and his views I it's just I, I have have not gone into detail. This happened this all this information came out about John Griffin last Friday. Uh, right before I recorded podcast for last week. And so just I have so I haven't gone into a whole lot of detail with it, but suffice to say, you don't really want to know all of the details um, that was going on. It's just horrific, and with young girls, and I am glad to see that something is going to be happening with him, uh, with the law and justice being served. Probably going to spend the rest of his life in jail. Meanwhile, Project Veritas claims that it's it has uncovered another pervert at the network. Uh, Jane Bonani is a case manager for sex trafficking victims, and she gave Project Veritas texts and voice messages from a producer who describes in vivid detail what he wants to do to his fiance's daughter. A former prostitute, Bonani said the producer wanted to see her and the stepdaughter, the fiance's daughter, together. And then he also asked for photos of Bonani and her daughter. And apparently, uh, Bonani went to Project Veritas because the police did nothing when she reported the producer. And if, if you want more information, there's more details on Project Veritas's video interview with Bonani. And of course, This is all on the heels of Chris Cuomo being fired for moonlighting for his brother Andrew while Andrew was dealing with sexual harassment allegations. But in addition to that, the network also received a sexual harassment complaint against the primetime anchor himself. And then there's Jeffrey Tubin with his Zoom call last year. And Don Lemon has also been accused of a sexually charged assault here in the last week or two. I'm just telling you, completely aside from their trash reporting... I don't think I would want to have anything to do with their news outlet right now, just based on how much scandal is coming out of that place. So it's, in my opinion, I mean, I I know why Chris Wallace is going over there. His politics are over there, but that network is just in a hot mess. So it's just an interesting uh, career move, in my opinion. Other news out of Washington, D.C., Kevin Kleinsmith. This is the former senior FBI lawyer who's convicted last year of falsifying a document that was used to obtain a surveillance warrant against former Trump campaign aide Carter Page. He hasn't yet finished serving his probation, okay? But he has already been restored as an active member in good standing with the District of Columbia Bar Association. In fact... According to Real Clear Investigations, Kleinsmith was never even disbarred 
as is customary of, for lawyers convicted of serious crimes, and especially ones directly involving the administration of justice. Nor was he penalized by the bar in any way for failing to promptly submit his guilty plea to the, record, to the court of review. So last August, Klein Smith admitted to pers- purposefully altering a CIA email in 2017 that was used in the third and final application to obtain a FISA warrant against Page. That allowed federal authorities to eavesdrop on Page's communications. It was the first criminal charge filed in special counsel John Durham's probe into the origins and intelligence gathering activities of the Trump-Russia investigation. Normally, the bar automatically suspends the license of members who plead guilty for a felony, but in Klein Smith's case, it delayed suspending him on even an interim basis for several months and only acted after real clear, clear investigations revealed the break Klein Smith was given. And that's according to real clear investigations. So the rules of professional conduct for the Washington, D.C. bar further state that it constitutes professional misconduct for a lawyer to, quote, commit a criminal act that reflects adversely on the lawyer's honesty, end quote, and also for a lawyer to, quote, engage in conduct involving dishonesty, fraud, deceit, or misrepresentation, end quote. And folks wonder why I don't trust all these alphabet organizations. Look, they're either entirely made up of lying snakes like Kleinsmith or entirely made up of guys who would reinstate guys like Kleinsmith. Those are really the only two options you have. Yeah, I know. We shouldn't paint all these guys with these organizations with broad brushes, and I won't. I know that there's exceptions. But see, the reality is, is these days, the fine upstanding people are the exception to the rule. It used to be the other way, that guys like Kleinsmith and the folks that would reinstate people like Kleinsmith, those were the exceptions back in the day. And the rest of these organizations for the most part, would be people who wanted justice, who were doing right by their fellow men. Not anymore. And really and honestly, it's not been that way for probably longer than you and I would like to admit. All right, in a video that's now been removed from YouTube, moving on to the next story, Joe Rogan interviewed renowned COVID expert Dr. Peter McCullough, who said these words in that interview. Quote, I then testified on March 10th, 2021, before the Texas Senate, sworn testimony that 85% of deaths could have been prevented. End quote. Again, that's Dr. Peter McCullough. He's an American cardiologist. He was vice chief of internal medicine at Baylor University Medical Center and a professor at Texas A&M University. He's the editor-in-chief of the journal's reviews in cardiovascular medicine and uh, cardiorenal medicine. Look, you should be outraged. These are crimes against humanity and deserve Nuremberg-level trials. Every doctor who offers any kind of preventative treatment for COVID will tell you that at least some percentage, now not all of them are going to say 85%, he, he had, right before he did this quote, he said in another sworn testimony or in another um he gave te- he testified in another situation. In that situation, he claimed about 50%. And then a number of months or weeks later, 
on the March 10th date that I quoted, he had changed that to 85% of deaths could have been prevented due to all of the research that he had continued to do. And he decided, no, we could have prevented even more than 50%. We could have prevented 85% of deaths. Now, not like I, like I was saying, though, not all doctors are going to say 85%. Some may agree with the 50%. But the point is, they would all agree that at least some percentage of these deaths could have been prevented if doctors had followed a proactive protocol to keep patients out of the hospital. Instead, doctors sent patients home and said, go home until you can't breathe, then come to the hospital where we're going to put you on a vent, and then your chances of survival will plummet below 20%. No early treatment whatsoever. This is not how medicine works. It's not how it should be practiced, especially in the United States of America. This is evil. And here's a quote from the Hippocratic Oath of 1964. It's been rewritten multiple times. The latest one was 1964, and this is a quote from it. I will prevent disease whenever I can for prevention is preferable to cure. Apparently, most all of these doctors have forgotten that. Also on COVID news, Japanese experts have warned that the vaccines pose a seven times higher risk of death than the virus itself for people in their 20s. This is important because I was actually at my parents' house just this week and a young man who's a college student, his college is forcing him to, if he wants to play basketball, to get a COVID vaccine. And he was here to discuss with my dad, should he get the vaccine? Should he not get the vaccine? And so they were having a, a discussion about that and about his health and whether it was a wise decision for him. And so if this is facing your your child, or you as a young person in your 20s. The vaccines pose a seven times higher risk of death than the virus itself for people in their 20s. Furthermore, Japan is adding heart inflammation warnings to COVID vaccine labels. Authorities there approved a plan to print a list of serious side effects, including myocarditis, on COVID-19 vaccine labels. The decision was made earlier this month by a panel of experts from the Japanese Health Ministry and will apply to labels of the Pfizer and Moderna COVID-19 vaccines. The Japanese Health Ministry also requires hospitals to carry out a detailed and strict reporting of any adverse events within 28 days following vaccination. Concerns, concerns have been raised in Japan about the risks of myocarditis in young men following injection with the Pfizer and Moderna mRNA vaccines. Of course, Japan's also been more transparent about the content of the so-called vaccines that than has been typical in other countries so far. Instructions on vac vaccination with Pfizer, AstraZeneca, and Moderna products published on the Health Ministry's website include a warning that these products, quote, contain an additive that has never been used in a vaccine before, end quote. Meanwhile, reported cases of adverse events continue to rise dramatically, including in the U.S., and we're I'm just thankful that there's at least some countries, Japan being one of them, that is at least semi-honest about it. Whereas here in the United States, it's, I mean, it's still, I mean, we're now at a point where, you know, here this year, we're willing to, you know, you're no longer considered a conspiracy theorist or flat out lying 
if you say that this thing was created in a lab. Whereas last year, that's where we were at. But it doesn't even matter anymore because most people don't. I mean, that's the truth. The truth is that it was created in a lab. But people don't even care. It's like it doesn't even. It's, it really is mind-blowing how people are just. They, they don't care to find the truth out for themselves. They just want to hear what people on the television and what these so-called experts have to say. They don't look at anything outside of the United States to see what other countries, what their information looks like, what's going on there, and try to get a broader sense because we're being so lied to here in the United States that one of the only things that we've been able to do to get accurate information regarding COVID is to look at other countries and how they've handled it and what has happened there. Anyway, I digress. That's off of the the topic here. But anyway, that's just what's going on with Japan. And I think that's important for all of us to know. And that's the Japanese health ministry and what all they've um, been trying to educate their people and make wise decisions. And of course, there's other countries where they're not even allowing some of these vaccines for young people. They've outlawed them. They said, nope, we're not even doing it. And then here you've got here in the United States, they're like, hey, bring your five-year-olds, bring your newborns. It's crazy. Hi, this is Bob of Bob Sloan Audio Productions. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Have you ever thought about doing a podcast yourself? Do you have a desire to communicate an idea, opinion, or even a hobby or interest you'd like to share with the world? And do you have the communication skill and dedication? If so, let's talk. Send an email and a short description of your idea to bob at bobsloan.com. That's bob at b-o-b-s-l-o-n-e dot com. Now let's get back to the podcast. All right, back from the break. I want to dive in a little bit into a little bit of a lengthier story. There's some good research by Saul Zimmet, uh, and that's Z-I-M-E-T. He's got more information than what I'm going to dive into right now. But it's about the U.S. population growth and how we have hit an all-time low here and why that's bad. He wrote a little bit, not a, not too lengthy of an article, but more than what I'm going to discuss here. He's got a little bit more data and um, just information that he goes into, but I can't do it all on this show without it seeming laborious to listeners. So if you would like to read the entire thing, that's where it's at. Uh, it's at feed.org. So population growth here in the United States is declined to an all-time low during the COVID-19 pandemic. That was following a decade-long fertility slump. 2020 saw more people dying than being born in half of all United States. All U.S. states, excuse me. Early estimates suggest that the U.S. population grew only 0.35%. That's the lowest rate ever recorded. And growth is pretty much expected to remain near flat this coming year, according to reporting from the Wall Street Journal. Wall Street Journal writers Janet Adamy and Anthony DeBarros report, quote, with the birth rate already drifting down, the nudge from the pandemic could result in what amounts to a scar on population growth, researchers say, which could be deeper than those left by historic periods of economic turmoil, such as the Great Depression and the stagnation and inflation of the 1970s, because it is underpinned by a shift toward lower fertility. End quote. 
Of course, that this really isn't a huge surprise because limiting family size is widely encouraged in the media. In July, Meghan Markle and Prince Harry, they won an award for their, quote, enlightened decision to limit themselves to two children. And then a recent Census Bureau report responded to that. Um and responded to the report of low population growth over the last decade. There's a recent Census Bureau report of low population growth over the last decade, and in response to that, the Nobel Prize-winning economist Paul Krugman wrote in, the, in a New York Times column that, in fact, in a world of limited resources and major environmental problems, there's something to be said for a reduction in population pressure, end quote. And, of course, he's applauding that. And you just have to... Listen to young people talk today, college-age students, high school students. This kind of rhetoric is really being pumped into their brains about how humanity is so bad for Earth and we shouldn't be having more children. And it does seem plausible at first glance that having fewer people would result in greater prosperity. After all, a large, pe- a large population will, it's going to lead to more resource consumption, which would seem to just to suggest that the average member of the population would have to have access to a smaller share of resources. That perspective has been popular, and and Saul Zimmett talked about this in his article, that's been popular ever since the economist Thomas Malthus published his seminal 1798 work titled An Essay on the Principle of Population. In that article, he argued that exponential population growth would necessarily outpace increases in food production, leading to mass starvation. But, and this is what Saul Zimmett really talked about that I, that I wanted to dive into, that there's a fundamental flaw in the Malthusian thinking. And of course, a lot of this thinking, we, we saw this manifested in the movie Oh, I can't remember the title of the actual Marvel movie, but it was the superhero movie and it had to do with Thanos. And, you know, he wanted to save the save the world by population by destroying part of the population. That's how he saw the trying, you know, how that's how what he thought he needed to do to try to save the world. He's like, "Well, you know, we'll we'll get rid of half of them for the other half, basically." But there's a fundamental flaw in that thinking and in the thinking of Malthus, Meghan Markle, Prince Harry, Paul Krugman, you know, Thanos, all of it. And that flaw is known as the fixed pie fallacy. And this is what Saul Zimmett talks about. The fixed pie fallacy is the idea that there's a fixed amount of resources in an economy and thus that if there are more people to consume resources, the pie must be divided into smaller slices for each person. In this view, if the population continues to increase, eventually there will be more and more people left with nothing but crumbs. Of course, as Paul Krugman said, mass starvation. But this is a fallacy because in reality, each person is not just a pie consumer, but a pie maker as well. And I'll flesh that out for you here. In other words, Each new person is accompanied not only by a new mouth that consumes resources, but also a new mind and pair of hands that produce resources. The question then, and your mind is already going there, 
is whether the average person consumes more than they produce or vice versa. And we tend to think of ourselves, especially here in the 21st century, as mass consumers. We're just lazy. Nobody produces enough, et cetera, et cetera. If they consume more than they produce, then Malthusians may not be pessimistic enough, actually, and even a stagnant population would be unsustainable. How, if, however, the average person produces more than they consume, then a growing population is likely a powerful force for the economic success of a civilization, and the recent demographic decline may turn out to be among the most devastating economic consequences of the COVID-19 pandemic. For most of human history, humanity subsisted, but only barely. Incomes almost never exceeded $3.50 per day in today's dollars. But ever since the Industrial Revolution allowed humans to multiply their productivity with technology and science, economic growth per capita has skyrocketed. And the portion of the population living in extreme poverty has diminished from over 80% to less than 10%. And I forget the actual number, but it's something, but there, there's a pretty, there's a number that counts how many people are pulled out of poverty every day in the world today. It's a pretty big number. And that's how you get from 80% being in poverty to less than 10%. And of course, all of this has occurred while the human population exploded from less than 1 billion in 1800 to almost 8 billion today. Do you see how those two things are, they cannot, you cannot, if we're having such an explosion in human population, according to the Malthusian economics, then we must be, the the rate of poverty has to be going up. But the opposite has been true. We've gone from 80% in poverty, in extreme poverty, to less than 10% with, I think it's 130,000 being pulled out of poverty every day. Yeah, it's 130,000. I just double-checked it because I wanted to be sure. So every day, 130,000 people are pulled out of extreme poverty while at the same time, the human population has exploded. So given that economic growth comes from people, their labor, their innovations, their investments, the fact that the global economy has been growing rapidly, not stagnating or shrinking, almost every year for the last several centuries, demonstrates that on average, people are adding more wealth to the economy than they're subtracting, which is the opposite of what we think happens. Indeed, Past population growth has been correlated and likely causally linked, and this is from Saul Zimmet, with economic growth. And there is no reason to think that additional people wouldn't continue this trend. Increasing population growth is arguably wonderful for those coming into existence who are given the gift of life and become valuable entities for their own sake. But in addition, Adding people to our world is wonderful economically for those of us who already exist because most people who are left relatively free to engage in economic activity contribute to the supply of labor and innovative thought, thus making services and products more available due to their increased production relative to the amount 
that is consumed. Of course, then you have an increase in the division of labor, which is good, which is a good thing, allowing members of a society to specialize among other benefits. So the Malthusian idea that a growing population is one in which each individual will find it ever harder to get by may be true for most animal species, since they don't typically specialize in trade, but in modern human society, just the opposite is so. A 2013 Gallup poll found that only 5% of American adults did not want children. That number has probably increased some since 2013, but this widespread desire to procreate tessellates beautifully with the economic truth that population growth is a tide that raises all boats. That's the end of our show for this week. Just a prep, we're doing a special Christmas show on the on Christmas Day. So there will be an episode next week. It'll be an interview with my parents. And I apologize ahead of time. Some of the audio, we've been having issues with one of our mics. And um, it's it, so it may not be as good as it typically would be. But it's still going to be a great interview. And it's going to be fun. It's a good one to listen to for Christmas Day and for that weekend. And, uh, and then the following week, of course, we're going into the new year. So we will be doing a special show that week. I haven't entirely decided how that's going to look. Uh, probably some sort of year in review, but I don't know if we're going to do the top 10 stories or, or how we're going to do it. But, but we will do something looking over the last year, possibly looking into the new year, and, uh, and we'll close out the year that way. But I hope you have a wonderful holiday season, and I look forward to talking to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Hannah Miller Show. Please remember to subscribe to this podcast. This podcast is produced by Bob Sloan Audio Productions. If you'd like to find out more about Hannah or to schedule her for a speaking event, go to her website, thehannahmillershow.com. 